0: Welcome to the Life Tree Community Church podcast. These are recorded during our weekly services in Robbinsville, New Jersey. Our prayer is that these messages help you grow in your personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ.
1: So today, uh, it's 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 yeah, it's my honor to introduce our speaker of the morning. Uh, it's going to be my my dad. And uh, my dad, listen, everything I learned about speaking, I learned from my dad. I can still remember messages that he preached. Uh, growing up hearing him preach, I, seriously, my hero, uh, everything, you know, my love of barbecued meats come from my dad, my affinity for the Yankees, you know, let's go Yankees. I know, hey, Mets fans, it's April. I know you're in first place. Congratulations. Yeah, all you Mets fans, but it's still early. It's still early. It's, you know, two things melt in August, right? Ice cream and the Mets. So that's what happens. All right, so. With no further ado, please welcome my dad as he comes and shares this morning.
0: And the Red Sox. (laughs) It is a privilege to be here. (laughs) Um, Okay, we have three kids, one of each, and um, when, when they were younger, a little payback here, but this is really relevant to what we just did. Um, we had this session around the table, it has nothing to do with what I'm speaking on. Uh, had this session around the table, dinner table, you have these crazy conversations, and the question was, have you ever used somebody else's toothbrush? Dan was like, I'm not even gonna answer that question. Jen was, ooh, our daughter Melanie, some of you may know, the youngest, she just kinda bit her lip and dropped her head, and it was, no, don't, don't say, and her re- response was, well, I don't do it a lot, but every once in a while, the moment dinner was over, Dan, or, or Pastor Dan as he prefers that we call him, um, Pastor Dan <laughs> went right to his room, right to the bathroom, removed all his toiletries from the bathroom, put them in his room on a bookshelf in their order of use. Toothbrush, toothpaste, razor, shaving cream, aftershave, deodorant. He is, if you don't know him, an orderly person. This degree has been part of an organized plan that has been part of a bigger plan, and we are so proud of them in so many ways. But I just want you to know, he is a hard worker. You may think that, but he is, and his perspective, his discipline, his desire to be all he can be, to do what God has asked him to do. It's really cool as a dad, not just to have a son, but to have a friend and an example. And uh, we appreciate them and really are thrilled that we're part of Life Tree. Okay. There are two ways to get home, said G.K. Chesterton. The first is to never leave or to stay there. The other is to walk all the way around the whole world till we come back to the place where we started. You know, each of us, to some degree, take one of these two paths. We're all on this kind of journey to find our way, the word I'll use is home. But it's really not home like a geographical location. It's home-like where we fit, that place we belong. I don't know how it happens, but no matter how good or bad your, your situation might have been growing up, we all seem to get displaced by life at some point and have this sense of where do I fit? Where, where do I belong? Where is home? And we take one of these two routes to find it. Some of us seem to just stay put, and others seem to just go out and and go all the way around the world until we come back to where we started. But until you do that, you don't realize that's where you belong. We're going to talk today about a story that's very familiar to to many of you. It's in Luke chapter 15. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there, or it'll be up here on the uh, overhead as well. It's a story about two sons on their journey, and their father... Who helped them find their way home, traditionally it 's called the prodigal son. The word prodigal means like uh, a squanderer. I keep i didn 't want to say it, but I can 't not say it. I, I got an Elvis Presley voice talking about the squanderer. They called him a squanderer. He just squandered around, but it 's too dumb, so i won 't say it. Um, the pro, prodigal is something who just just throws everything and, and we know it as the story of the prodigal son, and this is an incredible story I mean it 's got so many perspectives. Uh, so many distinct ways we can look at it. We're going to look through it today, and I'm going to be very simplistic about it. We're really not going to investigate all the lessons in it, but just uh, speak from one perspective. But I'd like to read it for you, and then I'd like to make some comments about it as we tell the story, and then just wrap it up with one major emphasis. So um, if you have your Bibles or if you're following along, in Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 32, we read these words. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. Prodigal. About the time his money ran out, A great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I'll go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer even worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house Put it on him. Get a ring for his finger, sandals for his feet. Kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and now has returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Ding, 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 ding. Meanwhile, (laughs) in walks the older son from the fields after he's done working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. He asked one of the servants, what's going on? Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We're celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry, wouldn't even go in. So his father came out and begged him. But he replied, all these years I have slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me. A little bit of exaggeration, maybe. And in all that time, you never gave me even a goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me. Everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. Bow with me in prayer, and then we'll look a little more into the story. Father, thank you for your word. This book is thousands of years old, yet there are stories and phrases that hit us right where we live today. I pray that's what you do this morning. Lord, I ask that you give us each eyes that really see, that see our world but see you and how you interact with us, ears that hear, that hear your voice. Give us minds that are able to understand what you're saying and hearts that are ready and willing to respond to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. It's a great story. I love it. It's got so much insight, so many applications into it. But really, I want to come at it from one perspective, and that's in light of the theme, the heart of the father. I want to look at this story, in a sense, from the father's perspective as we interact with it. And I've got to throw in this disclaimer first, because father is a weird term. You know, it's, it means something different to everybody. Um, personally, my father-in-law was my hero, godly man faithful man, faithful to his wife, his family, just a great guy, a fix-it guy. He, if it was broke, Pop could fix it. If Pop couldn't fix it, it couldn't be fixed. He was, he was that kind. Of, he's my hero. I, you know, My biological father, not so much. My biological father left home when I was born. So I grew up fatherless. And all through my life, and still today, I have to very carefully, very intentionally separate my impression of father from my biological father in relation to my assumptions about my heavenly father. Because he's very different. When I use the word father, we all default to our definition. And whether your biological or your earthly father was a great example or maybe not so great, either way, I ask you to just kind of put those aside for a few moments as we focus on understanding what our Heavenly Father is really like and what His heart is all about. And this story tells us a lot about it. It basically goes like a father had two sons, alright? Uh, if you've had children, you know, uh, one child changes your life. Two, it's exponential. You know, it's not like one is, a two are double the issues of one. No, no, it's just, it's much more than that. The interaction, a father having two sons, to begin the story, says, okay, there's going to be a conflict here. A father has two sons, and obviously they're boys, they're going to fight, there's something between them. The conflict here really isn't between the two sons as much as it's between the sons and the father. He's got these two boys, and the younger one of them says, Lord, uh, father, this is what I'm going to ask of you. I don't want to wait until you die to get my inheritance, I want you to give it to me now. That, in any context, is rugged, but in a Hebrew context, it was, it was worthy of excommunication from the family. All right? it, the father would have been just within rights to say, you're gone, you get nothing. He doesn't do that. He actually complies. His son basically said to him, I wish you were dead. You mean nothing to me alive. All I'm hanging around for is my money, my part of the inheritance. So can I just have it now? And also in the Hebrew Culture, Uh, the the first son, the older son, always got a double portion of the inheritance. So among two boys, the older one got two portions. The younger one got one. So he only had one-third of the estate that was there. He said, you know, I'm going to cash in for an early retirement. Give me my money. Let me just get out of here now. It was horrendous what he did, but his father complies. He gives him the money, and about a week later, so just a few days later, this young guy takes his money, takes his stuff, packs up, And he's gone. He goes to a far country and it says he wasted his money and time on wild living, loose living, whatever kind of translation your version might say. He went out partying. Okay. It was a, it was, it was a time. He had a party. He did whatever he wanted. It kind of troubles me that no matter how mature we might all be spiritually, there's a little part of us. That would just love to try that. You know, just just for a week, if we could just put a pause button on, be able to delete the file a week from now, and do anything we want, unlimited spending, unlimited experience, zero consequence. It's just a little pause, it's so it it troubles me. <laughs> but that's that's reality. And that's what he did. Unfortunately, it wasn't a river that was funding him, it was a lake. <laughs> You know, a river keeps going, but this was a lake, and the lake ran dry. And eventually, the money runs out. The party was over. It says, he ran the money, and then at that time, just coincidentally, a famine hits the land as well. So, you know how it goes. The, the cash is gone, the friends are gone, the fun is gone, he's got nothing to eat, and what in the world, how in the world did I get here? As enjoyable as that kind of free For all might seem, you know, as fun as it's got its consequences, it's got its penalties. The Bible uses a word that's kind of archaic. We use it a lot in church. The word is called sin. And a lot, there's a great book written years ago called "Whatever Became of Sin." What? what, We don't use. Oh, it's so negative. It's just so you understand. God didn't identify certain things that He arbitrarily chose to be things he doesn't want us to do, and calls them sin. Sin refers to behavior that destroys us. It's not coincidental. It's a result of, if it's going to destroy you, God says, stay away from it. It's not good. He goes headlong into it, and he finds out what we learn from the story. Robbie Zachariah said this, sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. <laughs> and that's what he experienced. It wasn't supposed to be like this. This is not the way the story was supposed to end. This ride was supposed to continue. But that's, that's why we talk about living a life apart from that. Not because there are great things that would be so enjoyable, but God said no, so just deal with it. These are things that destroy lives. And that's what sin does to us. He finds that out. And he lives with this. He lives with this. And he, he's hungry. He gets a job. He's a good little Jewish boy. And he gets a job feeding pigs. Okay, just a little bit of humor in the story. And he's, he's slopping hogs. And he's so hungry that he's wishing he could eat the stuff only the pigs would eat. It, it got really bad. But he did not change his circumstances. I mean, this just, just blows my mind. At the point you run out of money, that's the point. At the point you realize you're going to run out of money, that's when you start to make arrangements for a change. He doesn't. He just goes on and on and on. Why? Because he cannot come to grips with the fact of admitting he was wrong. It's amazing what our pride will do to us and how far we go to continue to do what we chose to do just to prove that we were right. Richard Dobbins said, Until the pain of staying the same, is greater than the pain of change, people will choose to stay the same. <laughs> we've all seen that in others. We've never experienced it ourselves, but we've seen it in others, usually in-laws, but it's out there. <laughs> this guy had an amazing tolerance for pain, but he finally comes to his senses in verse 17. It, he finally says, i got to deal with reality. Look in the mirror. And recognize what you see. Holy Mac, where how did I get here? He comes to his senses. Now picture him. He's dirty, he's smelly, he's hungry, totally forgotten out in a foreign land, denying his existential reality, living each day going, it's all good. It's, you know, I like pigs. It's not so bad. What am I? He finally comes to his senses. Susan Scott, in a great book called Fierce Conversations, if you've never read it, I really would encourage you to read it. Forgive me for saying it so bluntly. It's a woman writing about communication, and I am recommending it. It's a great book. (laughs) That's that's really blunt out there. She is brilliant. She asked this question in key points of your life. What are you trying to not know? What are you trying to not know? He had to answer this question. What am I trying to not know? Trying to not know that I don't want to face reality. And say, I was wrong. I don't want to go home and eat crow. I don't want the the embarrassment, the shame. I'm trying to not know that life is not the way I planned it to be. And he reckons with that. And for the first time in his life, he does the right thing. He develops. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go home. I'm going to talk to my father. I'm going to say, Father, I am not even worthy to be called your son. Uh, Please, uh, just give me a job. Just let me live like a servant, because at least those guys had a roof over their head and food to eat. And he does that. He goes home, and it says that while he's a a long way off, he's in the distance, his father sees him. Now, I don't know how you would react if this was your son. I don't know how I would react if this was my son. But I doubt I would do what the father did. Okay, I would imagine a more common reaction would be, uh huh. What are you doing here? You got something to say? Say it. I'm waiting. Go ahead. Grovel. Get on your knees. Even if I was going to be forgiving. Even if I had determined I was going to be forgiving. I'm going to make sure you learned the lesson before. Oh, that's not what he does. It says while he was a long way off means he was watching. He saw him. He runs to him. Now without going real deep into cultural issues wealthy Hebrew landowners never ran anywhere people ran to them they didn't run to anyone probably had this big long robe on anyway and running with a robe just i mean the mental picture is hysterical him running to his son he runs to this i have never i've been around a pigsty or at least where pigs live Holy mackerel. It's, it's, a, it's a memory even now I don't want to call up because smells do stay with you. This guy, this boy was living with them. He carried that fragrant aroma with him. His father runs to him, grabs him, hugs him. The kid's a mess. Literally, a stinking mess. <laughs> hugs him. The boy says, Father, I'm not even worthy to be called. And the father's going, Stop, stop, stop. He yells to his quick, quickly, don't waste time. Get a robe and put it on him. Cover his shame. Get a ring and put it back on his finger. Restore his place in our family. And I love this. Get sandals and put them on his feet. If he's wearing a robe, nobody knew he had sandals on his feet. The sandals were personal dignity. You're my son. You have value. You have worth. Not only what others see, but what others don't see inside. Do all this. This is great. Oh, he... My son was dead. He has begun. It doesn't say he's alive again. It says he has begun to live. Like for the first time, he gets it. And it's a wonderful reunion. Listen, sin may take you farther than you want to go. It may keep you longer than you want to stay. It may cost you more than you want to pay but nothing you can do is so shameful that it will keep your heavenly father from running to you as soon the moment you turn to him he runs to cover your shame to restore you to give you dignity again ding 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 meanwhile <laughs> back at the ranch older brother comes in he goes hey I smell a great barbecue. I hear music. What's hanging, dudes? What's going on? (laughs) Well, you're not going to believe this, but your brother is home. He's back. Matter of fact, your father is so overjoyed. You know that little calf that we were fattening up for some great celebration? He killed him, and he's barred. That's what you smell, and we're going to have a feast. We're celebrating. Your brother is home. This guy gets so angry. He doesn't even go in the house. It's amazing what happens. he's, He's furious not only with his brother. His anger is with his father. How in the world? Are you out of your mind? This guy, your son, not my brother, your son who wasted your wealth, wasn't his father's wealth, it was his own inheritance, he's wasted all of this on Unbelievably shameful activity, behavior. He's come home and you, well, are you crazy? What have you done? His father says, please, come on in. No, come on. No, they, they get at odds. Okay, here's the irony. He's living right at home. The younger brother took off, broke relationship with his father. The older brother lived right at home. But he had no relationship with his father either. His relationship was not healthy. Proximity doesn't imply relationship. You can live right in the center of the father's house and still be miles away from his heart. Just because you're close doesn't mean you're near. A.W. Tozer said this. We're not as close to God as we ought to be, but every man is as close to God as he wants to be. We may not be as close to God as we ought to be. Are you as close to God as, raise your hand. <laughs> Are you as close to God as you ought to be? There should be nobody raising it. We know that. But every one of us is as close to God as we want to be. There's no limit to how close we, God doesn't say, no, you can't come any closer. Stay away. We're all, He was as close to His Father as He wanted to be. We're as close to our Heavenly Father as we want to be. The question then really becomes, how close to the Father's heart do we want to be? That's the real issue, and that's the issue they had to deal with here. And his father says, listen, this is your brother, not my son, your brother. He was dead. He's alive. He's come home. We had to celebrate. I will celebrate for him, and I'll celebrate for you. It's an amazing story. Dozens of applications. Here's the one I want to focus on today. Both of these boys, I believe, had the same, and I'm using this term carefully, controlling fear. It was a fear that controlled them, that drove them, that prescripted their behavior. It was a controlling fear. Here was their same controlling fear. They were both terrified of being forgotten by their father. The young one in a far land, filled with pride and arrogance, losing all his money, losing all his friends, Still hanging in there, realizes, I am far away, alone, totally forgotten. And it overcame, that fear overcame even his arrogance to bring him back home. The older son comes in, hears all the commotion, sees his brother. They're all celebrating. And in a flash, the one who did it all right it's all gone. I'm, I'm left out. In the, I'm. Didn't you think to wait for me until I came home before we started? Everybody's partying like I don't even exist. Forgotten. And what does the father do with both sons? To the younger one, he runs and hugs him. To the older one, he goes out and he begs, please come in. He shamelessly presents himself to both, saying, you're my child. You're not forgotten. Be part of this. Your heavenly father shamelessly demonstrates his love for you and for me. He has not forgotten us. I believe I'm speaking to one or some people today that are living with that same controlling fear. Life hasn't turned out the way you planned. You feel alone, overlooked, and forgotten. And my purpose today is to tell you this. Your father has not forgotten you. I'm not saying the father doesn't forget his children. I'm saying your heavenly father has not forgotten you. Let me illustrate this in a personal way. I told you earlier that my father left home when I was born. What I didn't tell you is that my father left home when I was born because I was born. Context changes a little bit. Never had a real good relationship with my dad. Never had a relationship. I shouldn't say that. I didn't have a bad relationship with him. I didn't have any relationship with him. I saw him from time to time through life. Didn't really have uh, much interaction. And it's a big, long story that I'm not going to get into. But I do want to cut to the chase, to the end. I had the opportunity to visit my dad uh, about a month before he died. Had cancer. And um, my mother had told me that if I wanted to see him again, alive, better do it quick. So I made an appointment to go see him and his wife, the woman he left us for, and visit them. I was a pastor at the time. I'm supposed to be mature. <laughs> I'll tell you, my mind was, it was it was as much of a mess as you can imagine. I'm trying to figure some way how to do this without losing my mind. And I remember when I got to his house, walking out of my car into the house, thinking, I got it. I'm going to make believe I'm visiting the parents of somebody from my church, the father of whom is dying of cancer, and just make believe it's somebody else's parents and visit them objectively, which I did. I played the game. And we got through. It was a, it was a very healthy, it wasn't gushy, it wasn't, Dad, I love you, forget you. Know, there was none of that. But it was very peaceful. It was very healthy. It was good. And that was the last time I saw him until his funeral a month later. So fast forward to the funeral. I go to the funeral. I went alone, sat through all the ceremony and the service and all that kind of stuff. We go to the grave. And um, as you're probably familiar with some ceremonies that take place at, at cemeteries, they had flowers. And the tradition is everybody takes a flower, they make a line, and they walk up to the casket, and they pay their last respects. They put the flower on the casket, and then they walk away, which I did. You know, I'm just trying to stay in the shadow, just do my thing, be respectful. As I'm walking up, I'm thinking, and I'm going through my mind, all this different stuff. And I looked around, and all of a sudden, I realize I am the last guy online. Nobody behind me. And the thought comes right into my head. Well, Dad, I guess this is picturesque. All my life, when it came to you and me, I was always the last one. In line. It was like a rumbling volcano, and 30 years of rejection started to rumble and boil within. And God spoke to me, and He gave me a direction. He said, This He said, Dave, you either deal with this now or you carry this for the rest of your life. Your choice. As I got up to that casket, Put the flower down. And I said audibly, no hard feelings. At that moment, you can argue all you want about whether you can hear God's voice or not. You can't argue with me. At that moment, I heard God speak in this ear. I remember it. Not this ear. Maybe I'm left-eared. I don't know. In this ear, I heard God speak. And he said, I am the father of the fatherless. You know what God was saying to me? He was saying to me the same thing he's saying to each of us. I have not forgotten you. Your biological father, your earthly father, your image, your definition of father may be different Set that aside. Don't make assumptions about who I am. Don't think that because I'm a father to the father, this means I'm a father like your father. I am not like your father. I'm a good, good guy. I'm a different. I'm the one who will never, ever forget you. Maybe you're a single parent. Maybe you're working 30 hours a day trying to get by. Maybe your marriage isn't what you dreamed it would be. Maybe you dreamed you would be married, and you're not. Your daily thought is it wasn't supposed to happen this way. You're alone, feeling abandoned, like your life has fallen between the cracks. Listen to me. You don't need to toughen up. You need to come home. You need to come home. And if you read the text very carefully, it doesn't say the younger son went home. It said he went home to his father. Home is not a geographical place. It's a relationship. He hasn't forgotten you. He's waiting for you, watching from a long way off. And the moment, the moment you turn towards home, he will run he will cover he will restore he will build your personal dignity and put you back where you belong home is where you belong you find belonging there are two ways to get home one is to never leave the other is to walk all the way around the world until you come back to where you started. Whichever way you take, my prayer is that you don't just find your way back home, but that you find your way back home to your Father's heart today. Lord, thank you for each person that's here. We each bear a different story. We have a different history. We have similar-looking suitcases, baggage. On the outside, they all look the same, but the contents are very different. On any given Sunday, we can look around and wish we were like everybody else here who has no problems. And ironically, we all think that. We're all just trying to find our way back home. The place we belong, the place we fit, And we search and we search and we search. And sometimes that search takes us all around the world. Other times we don't even leave, but we can't find it where we are because our perspective is so skewed. We have all these assumptions about what a father is or should be. Help us to clear all that away and recognize today that we are never forgotten in the heart of the Father. That your desire is for intimate, personal relationship. We can be as close to you as we want to be. The question we need to ask ourselves today is, what are we trying to not know? What is it about our world, our life, that we're avoiding facing? The question is, how close do we want to be? The question is, what's the first step we need to take? Because as soon as we take that step, you will run to us. Help us today to turn around and to begin our journey back home. But not just home, back home to the heart of our Father. In Jesus' name.
1: Told you. It's fine. Nikki's just going to play, and on the back of your connection cards, an opportunity for you to respond this morning. It's going to take a minute. I invite you to respond this morning. One of my favorite things about uh, technology is GPS. It's Just a little button you can push. No matter where you are, it says, go, go home. You know that button? Just tap it and just go home. And wherever you are, it will root you. No matter how complicated it is, it will find home. Today, that's our, that's our step. How do we find home? i got good news. You don't have to push a button on a GPS. God's right here. Home is wherever you are, because God will find you there. He comes running to you. All you got to do is look. Make a decision. I want to go home. And invite God to find you where you are, and he will walk with you. Home's not in this building. There's nothing magical about this building. It's drywall and wood. Home can be in your car, can be in your bedroom, in your office, could be in your school. Say, God, I just want to know, I just want to go home. I want you to be, I want to know I've got a place there.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were encouraged by this message. For more information about LifeTree, please check us out online at lifetreecc.com.